sabbatical and had a great refreshing time, uh, just relearning and learning new things and getting reconnected with God, doing some self-analysis, plenty of time to pray with other people and encourage other people as well and uh, just go back to some of the things God teaches you over the years. And one of the things is uh, in this passage that I want us to look at this morning and for us to actually really examine ourselves. We just sung there that, you know, there's a flame that has burned for 2,000 years, you know, and the land is waiting for something to happen. And it's kind of a picture of the church, you know, it says longing for an awakening. But it's about the church, but it's also about us as individuals. Now, I've been a Christian for, you know, years, yeah. <laughs> Not always, you know, I'm, those who know my testimony, I came came as a, as a child, but I expect, like many here, rebelled, <laughs> you know. I did it in a quite dramatic form, throw my Bible out the bedroom window and things like that, and um, end up with all sorts of trouble in other areas of my life, which I won't go into this morning. But at a certain age, I came back to God, or God encountered me. And, and I, can I can remember, you know, being so passionate for, God, for Jesus, uh, and different era times in my life. One of the things about um, having the sabbatical, I went back to be with old friends, um, and we looked back over the history. It's great, isn't it, when you reminisce and you go back, and you look back, and all of us, we sat around and we sort of said, we didn't know what we were experiencing when actually God's Holy Spirit was so present in that particular congregation for that period of time. That, you know, we, we would have to say we tasted some revival, we tasted a, an awakening, we tasted and saw how amazing God was. And it was little to do with us, apart from the fact that we had to say, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I wanted to be used of God. And maybe you've experienced some of those things in your life and you've been in places, you know, there's times in your life when you were, you were closer to the Lord, there's times in your life when you were more on fire for God, you were more passionate, you were more willing to serve, you wanted to kind of get in there and be dynamic. But somehow it's as though, you know, the flame goes down, to quote some of these songs. The fire just goes a bit dim. <coughs> Maybe lots of things have happened for that. But we're prepared to just admit that actually we're not what we used to be. And my heart today is to look at this incident in the Old Testament and to work out and see some lessons from it that are really, really important for us if we're to recover our cutting edge. I long to see this church grow. I, I long to see these, not for my fame and glory, but for the glory of God. You know, it's not about us, it's not about me, it is about him, Jesus, his name, his renown, his glory. And he's chosen to use vessels like you and me. And as we thought last week, ordinary people to do some extraordinary things and actually just make a difference. And I believe God wants that for us. That we can be, as I said last week, I don't know of any of us amongst us here who are going to be written about in the annals of history of, of kind of people who've really made great achievements. Maybe it's you and you're keeping it under your bushel or your bowl, as it says. But um, actually, 
We're probably just ordinary people who can make an extraordinary difference. But that difference is only, we're only able to do that if we're actually connected with God and if we actually have the fullness of his spirit. And I believe this passage we read from two kings is about that. Let me just set the scene. You see, there's a prophet school. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, can you go to school and learn to be a prophet? Well, they did. There were several schools of prophecy in, in the Old Testament. It's great. We need to have a school of prophecy. And these prophets wanted to build a new facility for themselves, a place where they could live and go out from and minister from. And as they're in the process of cutting down some trees to build their new homes, one of the prophets loses his axe head. It fell into the Jordan River. And he becomes quite distraught because the axe head turns out to be one that was borrowed. And he cries out to Elisha, the kind of great prophet, as you might say. And uh, Elisha performs a miracle where the axe head floats up from the bottom of the river to the top. I'd call that miraculous, wouldn't you? (laughs) And um, now, unless we'd be too harsh on the poor bloke who lost his... um, his axe head. Let's remember, actually, he's going about a great job. They're building something that is going to be, help and aid the glory of God and the extension of his kingdom, as they saw it in those days. And he's busy in what he's doing, and yet if there's a flaw in his activity, it's found in this, that while he was working serving God, doing what God put on his heart, he wasn't watching. That's a simple message. Jesus would turn and say to his disciples, watch and pray. Watch. Are we seeing with spiritual eyes to see what is going on, going on in our own lives, going on around us, what's going on in our society, what's going on in our church. So he didn't notice that his axe head had gotten loose and, well, he only noticed it when it fell off. He was unable to continue with his work effectively And so I use this phrase, he lost his cutting edge. And I want us to see that on a spiritual level for ourselves when we somehow are not connected with God and we're not working in the power of the Holy Spirit and all the things we say we're doing for God, we can still lose our cutting edge. And you may wonder, you know, is that the only point? I think there are a number of things here that we can learn for ourselves and for the modern church, and I believe there are, there's plenty here for us to learn. Otherwise, I wouldn't be preaching on it. That's why I've got this verse up here in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Timothy, sorry, it's up there. All Scripture is inspired uh, by God and is useful to teach us what is true and, what makes, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. All scripture is God-breathed. So when we read little passages like that in the Old Testament, we think, what on earth is going on? What is that about? We have to ask God in his spirit to reveal it to us. And I think this has got a message for us. You see, the axe represents the power to get the job done. 
No one can chop down a tree using the handle. Flailing about on a tree just using the axe handle doesn't get you anywhere. There's no biting power. It's not sharp. And so the axe's head is needed to cut through the wood and to fell the tree. And so in the church, we need to realize that without our cutting edge, not just the church, in your life, how many times have you just sort of said, maybe you did it in the prayer time earlier, I just want to live for you, God. I really want, I want other people to see Jesus in me. I really want to kind of witness for you. And, but there's no cutting edge. Are you just blunt? I have to put my hands up and know that there's times in my life where I've been absolutely blunt. And I can go through the motions of keeping it going. We've all been there, I expect, some of us, haven't we? You wouldn't know, I could stand up here and I can still appear to you as though it's the same person saying some clever things, maybe, or not. But actually we can be blunt. And I can, te- I can have real insight to something, but it, has, it lacks power. And so it is with your ministry, what you're involved in. Does it lack power? Did it have some power one time that seems to have gone now? The axe head has fallen off. We've lost the cutting edge. We need to realize that without our cutting edge, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll never be able to serve God properly, let alone make a dent in this world for the kingdom of God. We need God. We need the Lord Jesus and his Holy Spirit. We need his power to get the job done for his glory, whether it's in our personal life or in our corporate life. As Christians, what we pray for in the world, what we pray for in our office, in our workplace, what we pray for for our family, ourselves personally, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we just can't do it. We can say the right thing, and we can be busy, but we need power. Sadly, too much of the church in this country, in the Western world, has become so tied to traditions and programs that for the most part, I think the cutting edge is lost. And as a result, there's little power. Our lives don't change. Our ministries don't really produce the fruit that they should. Most of us can kind of do what we're doing I think it was the great Jonathan Edwards many couple of centuries ago who said the Holy Spirit can leave the church. If the Holy Spirit left the church, 95% of his work would carry on. Mm. Why? Because, we, well, we're just used to doing it. Same old, same old. Let's just do it. We go through the motions. We know what we're doing. We can be religious about what we're doing. And that's the religiosity. I'm not, you know, religion in the Bible is about caring for people and orphans and widows. It's the only time religion really comes up. What proper religion is. Caring, loving. But we can be busy but getting nowhere. We need to operate in the presence and the power of God. And you know, things can go on and we don't even notice that the Holy Spirit left. Well, while we may be able to run our churches and ministries and programs and our lives... In a, in a sense, without the power of God, it's never going to make inroads 
that brings glory to God, that brings fruit, that brings extends the kingdom. We can just be flat and blunt. And this is my concern this morning. And I'm not going to point the finger at you, I'm asking you and me to look at ourselves. To look at your own personal life, to look at the the team ministry that you might be involved in or the one you'd like to be involved in, and you say, are we doing this in the power of the Spirit or in our own strength? The arm of flesh, because we know what to do. We've done it before. And our confidence is in our experience rather than that desperation that unless we see God do something, we're not going to do it. And so may God help us this morning as I, you know, I've got a long sermon, which might be a miracle for some of you to think, <laughs> but just a few steps that I think you can share from this passage. How can we recover our cutting edge? And the first step, you see, is to actually have a concern. Actually have a concern. And see, this man, <clears throat> as soon as he feels the axe head kind of flying off, he cries out in despair, and says, oh my Lord, Oh my Lord, he can't continue to do what he's doing without the axe head. And yet I think that actually that's a picture of what many of us seem to do. We just carry on, even when God's not giving us the power. But he cries out. He's realized there's no cutting edge. And the first step for us is to recognize what we don't have. Do we recognize what we don't have? You have a concern. I'm convinced that many people are walking through life thinking they're filled with the Spirit when we're not. We want to pat ourselves on the back and say, well, God is with us. Well, yes, He is to an extent, but I'm not talking about His mere presence. I'm talking about His manifest presence when He is there in glory and in power and you experience it. I sometimes think we're those in a condition that's very much like the church in Laodicea, if you read in Revelation, you know, I, w- I won't read it, I'll just, just uh, paraphrase it. Those who said, well, we think we're rich, you think you're rich, you think you've got everything, but you're neither hot nor cold. In fact, you're poor, blind and naked. And we think we're doing well, but we're not. I wonder if we care enough to search our own hearts and our own lives, and the life and activity of us as a church, and discover whether we're doing what we do in the power of the Spirit or in the power of the flesh. Are we concerned that Jesus is at the heart? I'm going to sing at the end, Jesus, be the centre. I don't want you to just mouth words, I want it to become your real heartfelt prayer. Center of my life, center of all the activities that I get up to in my family and in my place of work. You see, have you marked out the boundaries since, in a sense, and say, This, I represent the kingdom of God when I go to work. Have you thought about that? Have you marked that out in your classroom, marked that out in your office? You know, I represent, and, and I've kind of got to reflect the power and the glory of God. So my life needs to be different. 
We pat ourselves on the back by quoting scripture and say, wherever two or three are gathered, there the Lord is with them. And as I've said, it's not the mere presence. He is with me. God is with us. You can't be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit, but I'm not talking about just having the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about being overflowed and filled to overflowing. The manifest presence. And the first thing is to realise that I'm not effective. Do I even have a concern to think about that? Or are we chopping away with just a handle? Do you have a concern that your service lacks power? Well, the next step is to confess that then. You see, when this man realised his axe head was gone, he immediately told Elisha, and he confessed the fact that he'd lost the cutting edge. I can't do it anymore, I've lost my axe head. And by admitting his axe head was gone, he was admitting to the fact that it had become loose, and he hadn't bothered to do anything to tighten it up. And so, are you in that place today? You haven't lost it all yet, but are you doing anything to make sure it stays? You think, oh, renewals for people who need it. No, we all need it. When we discover that we lack something, we must come to the place where we admit and confess that lack before God. Now, that's the hard pill to swallow. But it is necessary if we want to recover an effectiveness for God. One of the hardest things any of us can ever do is to admit that we lack something, isn't it? We love to think and portray, I've got it together, I know what I'm doing, I'm in control. Rather than saying, I have the faintest idea what's going on in my life, I've lost it, I can't find my way, I don't know why I'm doing it, Lord, help me. You know, maybe other people can see it in you, and actually if we're really good, we should be pointing it out to each other, in love, you're not what you used to be. Where are the honest hearts today who just say, will just say, I don't have that fire that I used to have. I'm not as close to Jesus in my walk with God as it used to be. I need God's power so that this stuff I do for God in his name would actually be effective. My life would count. We need to know and confess that so that we come back to him Come back to the path where we will find that power. And there's a price to pay. And the first price is that we can confess it. And I have found over the years of being a Christian minister that actually this is the hardest part. People hate confessing something. You admit to yourself. Hmm? You don't want to tell anybody else, do we? But actually the Bible tells us when we confess to God and to one another, our healing comes. That's the big stumbling point. I'm not going to name names, but I can tell people, some men in this place who had problems with pornography, and it was the most humbling thing in their lives was to come and sit with me and say, I've got this problem, will you pray with me? And their healing has come. Now, sometimes not instantly, 
but as they grow stronger in God and are able to live their life and say, yes, I'm getting God and my wife and my children in the right places and get these things out and put to death the things of the flesh. Why? Because confession is the hardest thing. We need to admit that we're in need. And if we lacked power, I look back on my years of ministry and I look back on periods when I was an evangelist in Soho, you know, when we saw the church rapidly grow, periods in the time here when we've seen God doing things, and I have to say, but Lord, what's going on today in me? Where am I, God? I need you. As Jesus would point out, without me, he said, you can do nothing. I need you, God. I was going to dig out that old hymn, I need thee every hour. But you know that one, Ray, don't you? I need thee every hour. Every hour, I need thee. I can't get by, and yet I sometimes think if I examine myself, I can see day after day where I've done things without God's strength. I've done it in my strength, in my routine. Are you doing the same? Is it just me? Let's be honest. When we confess our need and then we can get to the place of absolute dependence where we can receive that power again. And I'll put the third one here, you know, just to sort of, we need to understand. See, the reason this man is upset is because the axe head that he was working with didn't actually belong to him. It's an interesting concept. I told Joe I was going to be preaching on this. He says, oh, what's the lesson then? Give back everything you've borrowed. You know, you know, it's a bit more than that. You know, you can, if you want to learn that lesson, great. If you borrowed something and need to return it, do it. You know, you know? If you borrowed any of my books, I'll tell you what, you can keep them. I'm trying to downsize. <laughs> Losing the axe head may not seem a big deal to us. We can go down to B&Q and buy a dozen of them, couldn't we? But actually in those days, a tool made of iron was rare. It was costly. So it was going to do something. And, 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 you know, the fact that he lost it, the implication was he's going to have to replace it. And the fact that he borrowed it implies that he was going to find it difficult to replace. And I think the spiritual lesson for us as a church is crystal clear when we're working for God we're actually still operating on borrowed power it's not my power it's God's power we want our children's work to be successful it's not that we have the cleverest you know trained teachers and all the best equipment for them actually they need the power of God isn't it? Billy Graham used to say, you can plant a church if you've got a Bible and a hymn book. You know? <laughs> you know, the power of God does the rest. And I've been there, I went over that in the Philippines. You know, they went plant a church. You know, you commission this young woman to go out and start a church under a palm tree, and then you get reports two months later that they've got 50 people already. Great. <laughs> Just go for it. Now, our circumstances are totally different. But where are we? Do we recognise we need this power of God? It's a borrowed power. And yet, Jesus made it clear that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We need his power. 
And we should never take it for granted. May we never act as though nothing can take that away. Let's not violate God's trust. He gives and he can take away. And so the next step I see in this story is this man who recognises he's not got his access. Actually, Elisha asks him, well, where did you lose it? And so he has to return to the spot where he lost it. And before it can be recovered, he had to go to that place. And so it is for us, if, is it on a spiritual level. Let us think, where did we lose it? Where did we lose that cutting edge in our lives, living for God or in that ministry? Let's go back to that place and uncover the reason why the power was forfeited along the way somewhere. Was it because some sin entered our life that we were quite happy to embrace and live with? And God kind of said, well, I can't live with that. Did we grieve the Holy Spirit to the extent that he just backed off? Have we taken our priorities wrong and somehow we've misplaced things and actually kind of making God number one is not so important anymore? And yet we still want to serve, but we, well, we want to see this happening, but somehow because we've lowered him down, we're not seeing any results. The fruit that he promised. This is because we're guilty of trusting ourselves rather than trusting God. We've been caught in some bondage that we actually need to deal with with God so that actually we're free to speak and move and live the way God wants us to. You see, if we're honest, I bet every single one of us who knows that we've lost it somewhere along the line, we can pinpoint somewhere, this happened, that happened. Maybe it's not a particular date, but there's, oh, well, you know, that thing just crowded out my life. This person took over my time. That hobby became too big. That hunt for money and a new home just got too large in my priorities, and I've lost that focus. We need to backtrack and discover, where did we wander off, Lord? And when we get back to that place, then we can make a course correction, can't we? Prepare ourselves to have a return of God's power. And that's what I'm asking for us today. Are we going to be ready for God's power to come again to us? Because that's when we come and we need to ask. Ask. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. You see, Elisha's response to the situation is to cut down another piece of wood and throw it in the river. And when he does, the axe head floats. Some miracle occurs. When human means are abandoned and God's means are used. When we acknowledge that we have lost the edge somewhere, there's only one way of getting it back and that's to actually come and confront the divine and say God you do something please do something in me do something for me do something with me but do something Lord I don't want to just keep singing songs and saying the right things without your power I don't want to be one of those people that's been flailing away trying to chop this tree down just using the handle I need a cutting edge I need your Holy Spirit And if there's been things in our lives, you see, the picture of why he threw a piece of wood in. I mean, it seems daft, doesn't it? Throw a piece of wood in the river and the iron floats. 
Well, the word we're talking about, if we want something changed in our life, is the cross. When we need to be renewed, we need to come back and deal on our knees at the cross of Jesus. And if there's something wrong that we've gone off the path or our priorities have been mixed up, we just need to kneel down at the cross of Jesus. You know, Roy Hessian in that, in that little book, My Calvary Road, he's always telling you, you come back to the cross and you kneel down and you do business with God. We don't keep going in our own strength. We come and recognize, I have to humble myself before God when I confess it. I, I know that I'm lacking, Lord, and I come to you. And Jesus has promised when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us. When there's a total abandonment, trusting in this piece of wood to bring this renewal, to bring the, the axe, the cutting edge, floating up to the surface again. We stop trying to work in our own strength. And we just trust God. It's the only solution. We need to kneel metaphorically. You can kneel physically if you want. At the cross of Jesus and say, you've done it all, Lord. I can do nothing without you. And when we ask, then we can receive. We can receive. The last thing this man did in this story was he reached out and he took hold of the axe head in his hand. And he was committed to receiving that in faith. I imagine if I saw an axe head floating, it takes quite a lot of faith to reach out and grab it. It's kind of not what I say, hey, are my eyes telling me stories here? No, you need faith to go out and grab it. It's not not just a, a mirage. And that may be the end of the story in the book of Two Kings, but I would imagine he put that axe head back on his handle and went back to work again and was able to do the job, complete the building that they were doing for God's kingdom in that sense. He recovered his cutting edge and he was able to get on and be effective. God's power is available to those who would seek him and ask for him and who will reach out in faith and take from him. And when we come to our place where we are tired of the same old, same old and we're willing to handle our loss of our effectiveness. We've lost our cutting edge. We've lost that distinctiveness. We've lost that savour that we used to have. We've lost that dynamic life that we used to live. We've lost even the sense of being bold. When we admit that we've lost it, when we ask, he wants to give. I'll read you, I think the verses are on the screen, but I'll read you the whole passage from Luke chapter 11. This is the words of Jesus. He says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Someone give me an amen for that. Amen. Amen. He who seeks finds. 
and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son or your daughter asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Christmas is coming, will you give them a snake? Wrapped up, ready to bite them, right? <laughs> you know, I was staying in Crete, and I had one warning. The scorpions come out from the wood store. I just left the wood store alone. I wasn't going anywhere near it. <laughs> Why? Because you don't want these things. If you are a father and they ask for a fish, would you give them a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, that's us. We're sinners. How religious we are, we're still sinners in that sense. We know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more? Say those words. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How committed are you to the idea of experience God, experiencing God's power and his presence in your personal life or in your team ministry or in the power of the church here and beyond? Because our commitment will be revealed by how willing we're prepared, willing we are to do something about receiving it again. Where is our cutting edge? Let's be honest. I'll talk to Weymouth Baptist Church. If you're a visitor and you're from some other church, you ask that about your own church. You ask about your own life. Where's our cutting edge? I'd probably say it's nearer the bottom of the river. And we need to come before God and say, Lord, we need you. I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you more than I have ever needed you before. And the first step is I confess that I'm lacking. And I come asking, I'm ready to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Let me ask you then. Will you be honest with yourself before God? Honest about the ministry things you're involved in or would like to be involved in? Are you seeing the fruit that you'd like? Do you really have God's anointing? Is your faith so enlarged so that actually the Holy Spirit is free to work through you? Or do we go through the motions instead? Just maintaining, not really progressing. Well, we confess that we're blunt and we need sharpening. I say this and I preach this, not pointing a finger at any individual. I say it because I think as a church we need it. I say it because I know I need it. And I pray to God that He would fill me again and again and again and I would stay hungry for him and open to him wanting to listen and wanting to follow and the moments we're going to the worship group is going to come we're going to sing two songs one of the words in there in the first song is there must be more than this 
It must be more than this. And if you think there must be more than this, are you willing to come and say, God, I need you. Fill me afresh with your spirit. Help every day to be a day where I put you in the centre and I listen to you and I follow you. One of the group would like to come. The rest of us just stand, if we could, please. I wonder if you just take the moment to think about your own lives here. Will you admit that there's a lack? Will you ask Jesus, ask the Father to give you the power of the Holy Spirit? To give you your cutting edge to be restored to live the way you should, minister the way we should, not just in our flesh. Almighty God, we come as needy people. We want to serve you with our best, but so often we've given second best. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. Let us rise from the bottom so that we might be useful again. Renew us, we pray. Renew that one who is looking at their lives and saying, Lord, I was so close to you years ago. I'm hungry. I want to have that relationship restored. For that one who needs a deeper hunger to read the Bible and to fellowship with other Christians, to get involved in some form of ministry. For that team, if you're part of a team in ministry, you say, well, we just go through the motions. Well, Lord, fill us so that actually there's something new, fresh and dynamic. Make us alive. Help us to remain in Jesus. We stir our hearts and are hungry for you, Lord. Would you fill us with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. As we sing this next song, we're going to sing...